Michelle Constant on SAFM. He's on the line. His name is Dallas Oberholzer. He was the second oldest participating in the skateboard uh, event at the Olympic Games, the 2020 Olymp- 2021 Olympic Games. Dallas, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for inviting me to the show. So, Dallas, I'm going to start at the very end and work my way backwards in this interview. And I'm going to start with um, the Olympic Games. I, I, have to, I have to talk about this because it was so apparent from everything we saw. It seems like you were competing against 12-year-olds, 18-year-olds. These are real kids that are um, really whacking it out uh, when it comes to skateboarding. Yeah, Michelle, uh, the level of progression in the last, say, five, ten years has totally been unprecedented. I mean, no one would have thought, you know, the youth could simply watch, uh, maybe even watch video games and learn from video games and learn from animation that shows skills that were beyond our abilities, say, five, ten years ago. And, yeah, they've just believed in, in the impossible, much like we have our whole lives, and the progression has just been that much uh, faster for the young ones. You know, um, you talk about progression. Talk to us about skateboarding and the passion for, I mean, I suppose one could call it surf culture in general. I go down to KwaZulu-Natal, which is where I grew up, and uh, my godchild is skateboarding, my brothers are surfing. Uh, They all started skateboarding. It just seems that that is part of surf culture, which is then spread uh, throughout its roots throughout our country, but many other countries as well. Yeah, Michelle, I think it's um, that sense of stepping on something that's totally liberating. I mean, like you can go jump on a skateboarding, go surfing through the kitchen, or you can, you know, you can step outside and, and step inside a garage and, and make it your fantasy land. So basically, you can take your little tool, skateboarding, and um, and be in control of your destiny and just have so much joy. And um, yeah, you could pretend you're surfing, you could pretend you're dancing. <laughs> Anything can come out of your skating, which is possibly why... Um, with such a mixed bag, you know, why you said why the young ones, old ones. It's just a matter of um, your collection of experiences and, and what you interpret when you step on the skateboard. So it's much like going, doing a dance. And um, maybe also just what's going on in your head comes out in your skating and you're expressing yourself. So it's just a voice for our nation, which is why I would say it's one of the most um, popular sports in South Africa right now. So if you talk about uh, being in control of your destiny, your destiny took you all the way to the Tokyo Olympics and uh, you dropped out early, but geez, it must have been a fun experience. You must have just loved every minute. Yeah, absolutely, Michelle. I had no expectations. Um, I'm actually quite grateful I went into this, um, you know, like I wasn't going to win. I mean, get real. We were always quite a few years behind um, our peers, you know, in the States or Europe. And we do lack the facilities. So, um, you know, stepping up there, it was intimidating seeing this terrain that I've never really experienced. <clears throat> and uh, that was the first um, obstacle, I guess, to get over. Um, but I knew all along I was there for a good time and uh, just had to, of course, endure because it was a lot of practice and a lot of falls to get to my routine. And then it was just a matter of letting go and, and just going, you know what? I just got to enjoy this, and um, I got to just represent having fun on a skateboard, which is what I yeah. did. You know, Dallas, uh, one of the things we like to talk about a lot here on the show is uh, the conversation. I suppose one could call it an intergenerational conversation. And if there is one sport that truly is intergenerational, it is, um, well, actually, it, you could also look at surfing as well. 
surfing and skateboarding where you're all in the same pack, you're all in the same wave or you're all on the same uh, skateboard park, whatever the case may be. What are some of the conversations that you guys have with that? Because you guys would be, you know, the older, more senior guys, then the, then the kids doing these gnarly moves all around. What's that take? Well, I, I really is an um, inclusive community. You're right about that. Um, and there's one of encouragement and uh, we're like self-regulated. You know, there's no, there's no one ringing a bell or ringing a, a time clock or, or disciplining. We're self-disciplined. So it really comes to a situation where we, when we step into uh, an arrangement and we meet strangers that we're forced to acknowledge one another. You know, that's the great thing about stepping into an arena or just your local garage where you're going to meet a few kids and skate. You're going to acknowledge one another and you're going yeah. to look up to one another. Otherwise, you're going to collide. And I think it's just the fundamentals that we learn on our daily approach to skateboarding that we actually take to our lives. You know, we have to acknowledge one another and see what the other person is doing. And by default, you actually land up encouraging other people's successes. And then in return, they encourage your progression. So it's really a positive environment that we create for ourselves as skateboarders. Dallas, you know, I interviewed you probably about a decade ago, maybe maybe longer, I'm not even sure. But I know that I interviewed you about the Indigo Skate Park and the work that you guys are doing. Tell us a little bit about where it is and how it started. Sure, Michelle. So, yeah, I also moved back to Durban, where I'm from originally, about 20, just over 20 years ago, and uh, they built a mega... You need to know what it is now. So basically, malls will basically build a skateboard for a skateboard park for a unique selling point, but just to hold the space where they got planned for another car park in the future. So that's what happened at Gateway. Yeah, and it happens everywhere. You know, it's a fight to try and keep our skateboarding real estate alive. Anyways, I arrived there and figured the only way the numbers would get up and that people would pay attention to skateboarding was to have more participants in skateboarding. So I set out to introduce skateboarding to Zulu Village. Just inland from the valley, or in the valley hills. of a thousand hills, just yeah. inland from um, in between Durban and Harrisburg. So basically, took skateboarding there, built a little ramp, brought out some pros, and uh, yeah, the, the community instantly took to skateboarding, and then they they just loved it to a point where we then developed um, a bit of a bigger skate park, the Indigo Skate Camp, and then eventually, um, you know, Sports for Good Foundations, like the Laureus Sports for Good Foundation, heard about us, and they were like, listen. You know, you could be legitimately using skateboarding for social good. So we then developed um, training manuals and skate instruction that had a life skills component. And then we, uh, in about 2010, we took that to Cape Flats and we yeah. took it to Atlanta schools. And then we took it uh, basically throughout the country. Sometimes we built skate parks. Sometimes we just nurtured young leaders within the community to run these after-school skate construction programs to a point where we got a study from the UCT and University of Berkeley, California, to prove the effectiveness of our programs and to prove that it keeps the youth out of gangs and keeps the mental health, yeah, tell us um, about, keeps tell them us, basically connected. Tell, yeah. tell us a little bit more about that research, because I thought that was, you know, the problem about running a not-for-profit is that you're going to have to monitor and evaluate and, and get research out and evaluate whether your um, funders, what they're putting their money into is actually working. And yet you yes, guys absolutely. have done some really, really interesting research uh, about skateboarding. And there's one of the things I was thinking about is when you skateboard, you really start to understand 
physics and issues of gravity and the like. And I wondered what else uh, youngsters who, who pl play around in skateboard parks, who, who skate in skateboard parks, learn? Well, I think the spatial awareness is, is one of the key things. You, Like I mentioned earlier, you, you, you're aware of who's around you and you're forced to acknowledge people who are around you and, and meet each other's eyes. And in today's world, that's, that means a lot. But further, it, it does come with discipline. Um, it, it does basically, you know, give some, some sense of belonging to the youth. It's also a place where, you know, where, where they can share their problems. Um, but essentially, the research paper, you know, aims to just look at stats like um, school retention um, and, you know, and also the fact that what the youth would be doing if they were not in our circle of, mm. of friendship and skateboarding. And, um, you know, a lot of the children admitted that they would otherwise just be, you know, be no good vandalizing, breaking things, throwing stones at one another. So, you know, it's a release of uh, tension and it's a positive environment. Like I said, it's, everyone's encouraging one another's success. And it's, it's not like you're not against one another. You're just there to, to join the dance together. It's certainly a, a great way to teach kids science. I mean, if you think about, yes. you know, like when that board goes up and you flick it around, how the hell are you even doing that? I have no idea. <laughs> Dallas, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. your second choice is bad brains. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, wow, Bad Brain. So um, yeah. that's, a, that's a punk rock band from, from California that, that sang about um, the youth getting restless in South Africa, and I just found it quite strange that that song never made it to our shores, and I don't think those guys will ever make it. But, um, yeah, I grew up listening to some, some naughty music because I was in a naughty frame of mind because, you know, society was telling me I was naughty. So I like this kind of restless um rise up kind of music um, that might have been kept away from me at the youth. So that's an interesting thing. Do you think um, that this is naughty music? I've never thought of like, just because it's punk that it's naughty. Well, I mean, it's, it is invoking like a sense of like rise up, you know, like don't be sleeping, you know, yeah. go and find your tribe, get together, um, make a noise. So, yeah, I do think that, I do think that like, you know, that generation of punk rock music, you know, told people to wake up, you know, and especially now it's more relevant than ever. So let's try it out. Bad brains. You are getting <laughs> restless. <laughs> Nine thirty, and what a great track that is! It's in fact a band called uh, Bad Brains. The track is called Youth Are Getting Restless, and uh, as our guest presenter, Dallas Oberholzer, skateboarder, Tokyo Olympics professional skateboarder, was saying it was a track that was written about South Africa a good while ago. They formed uh, um, in the United States, but what's interesting about them is that many, many people talk about them as hardcore punk, but actually. They had a very strong reggae, as you heard, feel and a very strong reggae vibe as well. 
And if I'm not mistaken, the majority of the people in the band were, um, I think they were Rastafari, or they followed the Rastafari movement or something like that, which just makes you realize how something like hardcore punk, how closely it was linked, in fact, to uh, uh, the kind of like other... Uh, movements as well. Really great one. 9.30, she's in the studio. She's in the other studio. She doesn't want to be here today. Zai Zai Gabor. Michelle Constant on SAFM. 10 or 20 to 10 here on SFM and, of course, everywhere else as well. On the team who are making it all happen, we've had a Luyanda on news, we've had Zion Sports, we've had Sylvester on the decks, and then Dosh is on uh, boss duty with production. Our guest presenter today is Dallas Oberholzer. He's a professional skateboarder and competed in the men's park event at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. He has been skateboarding since uh, he was at university where he graduated with a bachelor's degree in business and commerce from the University of Natal in Pietermaritzburg. How things move along. You start with uh, a bachelor's degree in business commerce. Dallas, how did that help you uh, in your journey as you move forward? Um, I always look back at what it kind of trains your brain. I don't think you really know what you're going to study. You learn how to absorb knowledge and uh, process knowledge and mm. um, then maybe pitch ideas. So, yeah, I've been an ideas man since I left varsity. You never really applied for a real job. And I just wanted to <laughs> stick with skate- skateboarding. And I have stuck with skateboarding. And um, it needed it needed some minds to, to pitch ideas. You know, I've just... Um, I like a lot about pitching far out ideas and a lot of them actually make it uh, make it through to production. So I think it helped me. It's just it's just all part of my um my my youth. So Dallas, how does um skateboarding and entrepreneurship work together? Because is there a business model behind there? Is one able to make money out of it? I'm thinking of really um well, world class like yourself. I know that you are sponsored by a diversity of brands, but I always wonder with sponsorship, is sponsorship, you get a pair of great sneakers like Vans, or is sponsorship that they say, okay, fine, here's the money, and we're going to give you the sneakers as well? Michelle, it's been an absolute hustle. I mean, um, <laughs> I can probably, you can probably relate me to like a breakdance. I mean, how amazing to think breakdancing is going to the Olympics 2024, just to share that. I mean, I think yeah. that's fantastic news. Now, I mean, you're basically as good as your last gig, you know. At the end of the day, you're sitting there at the nightclub at 4 a.m. and you've done your show, you've hit your high, and then you know that you're going to wait the whole week for the next meal. I mean, basically, skateboarding was always about living from event to event. I mean, yeah. I had to hustle to to improvise and see what might be needed. So, of course, skate park construction wasn't obvious. So that's basically my livelihood now is, is building skateboard parks with Indigo Skate Parks. Yeah, and uh, the good thing about this journey is, from the experience at the Indigo Skate Camp in the Valley of a Thousand Hills, did I learn the traits of, of construction through the Americans visiting and volunteers, and then we then since developed the skate park construction company. But before then, it was a lot about events. So we'd be on the road a lot and doing road shows. Um, we'd always be at those little festivals. Um, I, I, I dabbled in retail, which was quite hard with the markup yeah. of, of imported goods. So that didn't really work. There's still scope potentially maybe for a locally produced board. Um, but generally, skateboarders have had to hustle. I mean, we, we're almost like circus freaks just waiting for the next rodeo. <laughs> I mean, we have, to, we have to stay relevant. Sure, a lot of us make some money in the advertising film industry and 
and that's why a lot of us um, dwell in in Cape Town and and, mm. and and meet up there because that industry is kind of booming there. Yeah. But essentially, no, it's um, it's been an up and down, and you could never really count on the future of skateboarding. But I think since it's reached the pinnacle of the Olympics, a lot more is going to come, and especially for the old dogs like me who stuck it out. Yeah. You know, Dallas, um, you talk about making skate parks, and um, I'm going back very, very many years, but I'm thinking about my brothers when they were skateboarding. And, of course, the big journey was to find as many empty swimming pools as you could because they provided the perfect space to um, skate, particularly, if I mean, not if they were, like, square-shaped, but if they if they had curves. And yes. What makes for a great skate park? And uh, what is it that uh, kids are looking for when they is, – is there a difference between saying, well, I want to go and skate in the skate park or I want to go and do, like, some almost, like, parkour stuff in the street? Yeah, Michelle, so just to, just to let you know, so there's two disciplines of skateboarding that have been chosen for the Olympics, and – and maybe these are the two mainstream choices now. So it's street skateboarding, being in the mall, down the car park, where you're jumping on the curbs and down the, and, and down the stairs and on the rails. And my style is more, like you mentioned, the pool, the backyard pool, um, where there's curves of concrete, and much like you're surfing concrete. Yeah. So you're in the giant dish. So yes, you're absolutely right. So me and my crew, we've had to search for swimming pools, and we've used every means necessary and you might see us, our heads popping over walls here and there, but I'm still doing it to this day. I'm always on the lookout for empty swimming pools because that's basically our training ground, not having enough um, purpose-built facilities. So, you know, we need a curved pool with a radius of at least one meter uh, where where the flat bottom would meet the vertical. So we've actually searched throughout the country all the old municipal pools. You know, many of them are now derelict. Yeah. And some of them we've actually rejuvenated into skateboard parks. So there's this City Bowl Park, downtown Cape Town, which I've now got permission from the, the headmaster, the principal at Cape Town High School, to develop a skate park within an Olympics, old Olympic swimming pool, which is 30 by 15 meters. Jeez. And it's surrounded by grandstands and ablutions and art. We're going to make art walk throughout the, the facility. And basically, yeah, like I mentioned, I'm in, the, I'm, in the, I'm in like skateboarding real estate now, so I build <laughs> skate parks. But beyond that, you've got to try and keep them going, you know, because... Mm. Those big property investors want to build a car park next year. So we're going to have to try and find other ways just to, you know, just to hold spaces, you know, as skateboarders. Because, yeah, it's good that the government is building a few out in, in the ghettos, but it's also, it kind of isolates those skate scenes to the ghettos. Not many people would want to, want to go into the ghettos. But I'm grateful that the skate parks are being built in the ghettos because I think those accurate youth need uh, you know, a positive outlet more than most youth. And eventually they'll all tie up. But yeah, we always we're looking for terrain and let's just remember now that skateboarding is still illegal. So I find it quite wait, absurd. Wait, say, uh, say that again. Skateboarding is illegal. Skateboarding is still illegal. It's still an illegal activity in, in most places. I was arrested last sometime around twenty ten skating down Florida Road just on my way to the shop. So, you know, We've lived an absurd life the way we, you know, 10 years later, I'm asked to represent my country. 10 years prior, I'm, I'm sitting there taking my shoelaces off about to get thrown in jail for skateboarding. So we just need to, we just need to try and let society accept skateboarding as a legit activity and a way for get to A to B, you know. In the Cape Flats, you see people moving. It's a transport way, you know. It's not just, you're not just, oh, I'm having fun. No, I'm actually 
going somewhere on a low impact, low emission tool. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, Dallas, I wanted advocating. To, I wanted to ask yeah. you. I wanted to ask you about that because I, um, a few weeks ago we interviewed a Moroccan guy who mm. um, cycled and skateboarded, and, and and a large portion of his journey was skateboarding from um, Morocco to all the way down to Cape Town. So uh, along the way, he, he did cycle. And then like as he got further south, he started, he just skateboarded. And obviously one yeah. leg using the other leg. <laughs> I followed this dude. I know how epic. It's, yeah. it's completely epic. And I'm like, how on earth does one do that? I mean, what kind of energy, skill, etc.? Because you're constantly using one part of your body. So it's like one half of your body in the vertical. Yeah, but all he has to do is worry about the next push, each push. You know, he's not thinking about the fifty thousand pushes he needs to do. He's just placing his foot, thinking of the next push. And I think that's what this puts you in the moment. That's what skateboarding can do, or riding a bike. You know, um, you don't you don't really look up ahead beyond ten meters. So, I think that's just the beauty of skateboarding that you're in the moment. Dallas, you are, and uh, for those of our listeners who've just joined, we're chatting to Dallas Oberholzer. He's um, a 46-year-old who uh, entered the 2021 or was competing in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics when it came to skateboarding. We're talking about the sport of skateboarding. But uh, also, Dallas, when I go through your bio, bio it, um, it does shoot us out into all sorts of places. There's a story of you um, yelling at a, at a Jaguar, which I thought was kind of, and that's not the car, that's the actual cat. And also of acting as a driver for Janet Jackson. I thought that was kind of interesting. What is this? Is this just like a mind that's like going free in imagination or is this the real thing? Yeah, Michelle, I'm choosing to be a skateboarder. Um, There was no like designated path to go, okay, you're going to do this next. So, yeah, um, well, first of all, I did a lot of traveling and I I would have to travel to to expand my awareness and abilities in skateboarding because you're not going to learn from the same dudes and the same circles you know, and the same terrain. So I definitely set out to travel um, and, and, and be exposed to, you know, higher caliber of skateboarding and, and different terrain because that's how you learn and you progress. So in 97, I set out for Vancouver um, North American Championships and got to skate. And it's so fantastic being a skateboarder because you can, meet your heroes like tomorrow, you know where they're going to be sitting mm. on the curb outside. It's not like this this barricade between the have and have nots. It's like you can go and touch your hero tomorrow. Everyone's available and approachable. And um, yeah, so I got into the scene there and then I actually landed up driving from Canada to Argentina in 97, 98. And on that trip, yeah, I came across all sorts of wild wild beasts and, you know, like traveling solo was, was quite an experience, I and mean, then you exposed to the elements, and I got exposed to a Jaguar, and luckily I could yell and let it know I'm a force to be reckoned with and chase the thing away because it could have gone for my throat. So I've seen all sorts of wild, mystical things and thrown myself into the abyss just to, um, just to know I'm a survivor, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Dallas, we need to go to a break. We're going to come back with your third song, Max Romeo, Chase the Devil. Um, before we go to that song I would, and the break, I would just like to say we, we're struggling to get hold of your guests, but that's okay. And uh, maybe what I would like to do after the song is just talk to you a little bit about one of the guests who we can't get hold of, Talent Biela, 
and just talk about the kind of narrative that someone like Talent um, is an example of when it comes to skateboarding. But but to the break first. Hey, now that's a great song choice of our guest presenter, Max Romeo, hail from Jamaica and uh, Chase the Devil. Absolutely classic. It takes you right back to early uh, roots reggae, but also that whole ska movement as well. Dallas Oberholzer is our guest presenter today. He's a South African professional skateboarder, competed in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, but it's also part of a fascinating project called the Indigo Skateboard Parks Project, and they have a, a great skateboard project up in the Valley of a Thousand Hills, which has been going for a while now and certainly looks at the concept of youngsters, young kids. I mean, you see some photos of these kids, they're like six or something. Their boards are as big as them, but these kids are just waxing it on the boards in the most wonderful way. Dallas, we talked about uh, your guest, Talent Biela. He couldn't come on the line for us today, but he is the perfect example in many ways of the journey um, that skateboard skateboarding can take one on. Yeah, Michelle, um I think that's what's so exciting about um, who can make it in skateboarding because it really is open to anyone. I mean, um, there's no real limitation. So, um, Talent Baiella, he grew up on the beachfront, basically, um, as a street child and just took to skateboarding and, and luckily met, you know, met skateboarders who looked out for him and a lot of us, um, yeah, just were there for him. Um, I had a shop at the time on North Beach in Durban. So he would sleep on my roof and basically just hang out there and, and get to know skateboarders. And, and, yeah, that skateboarding is his family. And eventually he um, he went on a five-year journey to the States to attempt to be pro because the yeah. pros heard about his um, ambition. And basically what it comes down to is your passion. So that's why you see, like, Brazilians are some of the best skateboarders in the world because they've got such a good passion, you know, and they're just so driven in, in, in their goals. And... Yeah, and it's just incredible how how anyone can develop that within their own being and 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 make magic happen. So, talent's a shining example of someone who's rised up out of the trash of the beachfront and um, and and lived the dream. Dallas, uh, it can't be easy to go from absolutely nothing in some cases to becoming a professional skateboarder. Um, what does one have to have to be a professional skateboarder? Um, well, essentially, so you're going to need income. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, in our country, there's maybe just a handful of us that have got to a point where we uh, make an income, uh, a salary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you've got to have purpose. So, I mean, you need, you, need, you need enough gigs, you need enough things happening to keep you relevant and to keep your content going. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the truth is now with social media, you can basically create your own content and and as long as you can broadcast, um, you know, evolution of skateboarding and be part of, of it, like I said, in its trajectory and people uh, show relevance in, in what you're sharing and what you're developing and, and how you're making it look good and you're making it look fun or you're colorful and exciting, then you become relevant and then you can create a livelihood from your audience as a skateboarder. So a lot has changed. Originally, it was all about hoping for events and pitching up at the events. Um, so I'm, I'm quite grateful now the way things have moved that 
you can be, you know, anywhere in the world and making magic and being recognized for it. So it's not so much that a young person would need to go overseas to become a professional because originally it was about that and and the and the real um, designation of being a professional would be when you have your own pro skateboard. So that would be when you have your name on a skateboard that actually gets sold and you make royalties. So everybody would really say, everybody that. would say, well, I want to buy the Dallas Oberholtz skateboard. Yeah, absolutely. And then you make yeah. a cut, and I mean that's just the old um, the formula. But things change so much now. So um, you know, you can be jackass jumping off buildings, falling on your head, and everyone loves you for being stupid. And then you can also make a skateboard and make millions. So um, there's quite a few ways to do it now. But um, I would say, you know, a lot of us, and Talent Paella right now, he in fact is a skateboard instructor. So I think it's quite beautiful how, you know, he actually picked up those skills at North Beach because I would just palm him off to to parents who wanted some skate instruction. And now it's his livelihood and he works for um, a school in in the deep south, Komiki. And mm. he basically teaches after-school skate instruction. So he's on the hustle like we all are, and he's looking to get some banks together to go back to the States and maybe give it one more, one more, one more try to turn pro. And uh, finally, Dallas, we do have to get out of here, but I suppose the question would be is, um, do you think that uh, skateboarding, which seems like such an alternative sport, and I think that's why so many of us loved it when we were, like, young, um, it, because it's gone into the Olympics, do you see this is now going mainstream? And this, is this going to be positive for the sport? Yeah, Michelle, it'll always be positive. Like my whole agenda has been to increase the number of participants, and um, and I'm grateful to say that I mean, you know, women skateboarding is such a force now, and the, mm. uh, the skills and, and and the progression, and I think it'll largely be in in women's hands in the next say five ten years. Um, uh, different things will come out. Will be, maybe be more graceful. Maybe will be more in tune with the feminine divine or something. But something else is going to come. It's always changing. Whereas, you know, the diehard dudes who want to be under the bridge and be hardcore um, <laughs> and like they like screw society, they can carry on doing it under the bridge because there'll always be that space. But it just means now that there'll Everybody be more recreation clubs and there'll be more. Like maybe there'll be a spa where girls go skating and then they do their nails. I oh, mean, geez, Dallas, God give knows, it up. Like give great, it up. No, I mean that's, it's that's so general. No, we, of course we want to hear that uh, women are skateboarding, but not uh, that we assume that women are skateboarding and doing their nails. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's, no, no, you need I mean to go back in time. They can go to a club and they can have <laughs> everything they need there. And 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 places will will um, develop that yeah. that that see skateboarders as a market. You know, it That's is a market, and we got to leave it there, Dallas, because we got to go to the news. Dallas yeah. Oberholzer, <laughs> uh, the Olympics uh, 2021, doing uh, it all on a board. Ten o'clock. Time for the news. No longer good morning. Now goodbye.